0: All right, we'll just give a few minutes for for the attendees to join here. Hello everybody and welcome to the MediaGel podcast. My name is Guillermo Bravo. I'm the chief evangelist here at MediaGel. My guest today are Rochelle Gordon, who is a cannabis and psychedelics writer and journalist. She contributes to numerous industry outlets such as Cannabis Now, Beard Bro, Skunk, and Cannabis and Tech Today. She's also a copywriter for brands like Boveda, who is a the original maker of Terpene Shield. And you can follow her on Instagram at staygold612. How are you, Rochelle?
1: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, likewise, likewise. I also like to introduce Ryan Porter. He's an early uh, cannabis technology professional starting way back in 2010 uh, with the priceofweed.com. And then in 2016, he launched one of the early online ordering solutions called Simple Marijuana Menu, uh, which was acquired by Baker Technologies. Uh, Since then, he's focused on developing cannabis retail and brand certifications. Uh, to help further evolve and grow the industry. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks so much. Excited to be here with everybody. Excited to have you. It's been a long time. We've known each other since uh, probably 2012, right? Yeah, it's been a while. (laughs) It's been a while. Uh, Next up, we have Saf Khan. Uh, Saf Khan, sorry, my apologies, uh, is a cannabis educator and experiential marketing specialist. Saf has worked at a number of cannabis startups, Uh, you know, guiding brands on their marketing efforts, helping to create and deliver effective educational content. His most recent role was the director of education for Papa and Barkley, spearheading their efforts across California. Uh, And before we kick it off, uh, I want to remind everyone watching us live on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and beyond, if you can do me a favor and share this with your friends across all channels, you know, any support is highly appreciated. Uh, so before we kick it off, um, you know, do you want to give us a little background on yourself, Rochelle? Uh, you know, What are you doing right now? What are you working on? Uh, what's your focus?
1: Sure, absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah. So I am extremely busy, uh, both <laughs> as a journalist and a copywriter. Um, Boveda, uh is doing some really incredible things with actually bud tender education right now. So very fitting for the conversation, really trying to raise the bar high. Um, to make sure that that bud tenders have the exact information that they need uh, to mm-hmm. inform consumers about the product also really excited to be involved with the women in cannabis study um, it's a huge uh, in-depth report of women in cannabis uh, working in the industry their consumption habits their their paths to success their barriers to success um, and the final report is coming out March 3rd which is also very exciting
0: wonderful wonderful great to hear and uh, you know appreciate the, all the hard work that you're doing thank you and Ryan, what about yourself? What's uh what's on your agenda? What are you focusing on these days?
2: Uh these days we've really just been focusing on helping like retailers uh you know okay. invest in great teams and build great teams. So awesome. um, you know, we've got we sit on helping the brand side, but you know, I'd say for the last year and a half we've really been helping retailers.
0: Okay. Okay. That's great. And staff, what what about you? I love the uh, weed leaf the moment, in the background.
3: Uh, a little bit of uh, independent consulting, mostly, uh, just kind of working freelance with companies, uh, guiding them, as you mentioned, on their branding and marketing efforts when it comes to education. Um, so yeah, and that potentially, you know, may also be in other states. So
0: awesome. Well, you want to
3: take the first question:
0: I mean, Why is cannabis education so important? <laughs>
3: um, I mean, many reasons, obviously. Uh, safe access and effective access being one of the main ones. Um, okay. I think it's also fundamental to help kind of legitimize this as an industry. You know, yeah. we're now actually operating in a space in most states. And I know for sure here in California. And I will give the caveat that my experience is predominantly in California. Okay. Um, so, yeah, to legitimize and normalize cannabis use, not just medical, but recreational too. You know, um, in cannabis, we're dealing with currently kind of unlearning a lot of the stigma that people have had around this plant. And that's hard enough in itself. So really making sure that we have educated people at the point of sale, um, for brands talking about specific products is really important to get people to understand that you know it's not just potheads getting high anymore. This is really uh, a big boy industry now. And if we wanna be treated that way, then we have to kind of legitimize it and we have to take those steps ourselves. So um, having education be at the the top of the priority list is is pretty important. I think of it as in, in the same way that if you go into a pharmacy, You know, you're talking to a pharmacist, an an educated person, a certified, qualified person to give you the advice and guidance there. And I really feel like dispensaries should be expecting, should be providing the same service. And and that's what I would expect if I went to a dispensary in 2022 uh, in a fully regulated legal market. Yeah, agreed. What's your thoughts on that, Rochelle?
1: I totally agree. Um, At this point, you know, the bud tenders are truly the gatekeepers uh, for (laughs) this industry and I think the onus is really up to retailers to ensure that their bud tenders are properly trained um, because you don't know who's going to walk into the dispensary door, right? So there could yeah. be someone who's been consuming cannabis uh, their entire adult lives, and there could be someone who's just starting for the first time. And as we all know, this industry can be very overwhelming, especially for newcomers. And unfortunately, you know, the the range of, um, of skill sets and and backgrounds with the bud tenders, you know, and while they're all amazing, you know, there's not exactly a, an even playing field, right, in terms yeah. of education. So I think it's really, really important that they have a streamlined education that they can fall back on so that they can inform the consumers to, again, have that safe access.
0: Yeah, and, and Ryan, what's, you know, what can retailers do to support brands in training?
2: Oh geez, when when a <laughs> retailer, yeah, just that's a that's a deep one, right? Yeah, um, you know, and this, it's amazing. We've got you know, we're really creating a, an all new type of like retail associate, mm-hmm. um, uh, tens of thousands of them spread out across the state, and a very new role. Um, you know, I think a lot of the bud tenders that um, you know kind of come into the industry are yeah. doing so because they're really interested about um, you know the plant and really just want to continue learning. And so I think yeah. when when you think about that continuous learning and like what draws, you know, all of us to this industry, um, we don't know it yet. And there's a lot to know. And, and we all come from different backgrounds. And so, um, you know, I think what's important on the retailer, like if you're in the retail management is um, to recognize that, you know, you have a job of training these employees and you're going to have employees that have immense knowledge in their head. You also have the job of, um, you know, empowering them to train the new staff. I think that's really important to recognize there's going to be people that are, you know, really experts in content Uh, And then tons of people that are, you know, you know, perhaps have been smoking forever, but like just aren't knowledgeable in that area. And so, um, yeah. you know, it's kind of collecting this tribe and disseminating that training. Um, the one thing for us, I think is really important is I think the cannabis training comes on top of retail training. Um, okay. so one of the biggest things we've been seeing lately is, uh, retailers recognizing that um, there's some really important training that needs to take place within our industry um, because of things like, you know, heavy cash businesses and, and others. So I think it's important that um, we, you know, always concentrate on customer satisfaction and uh, a great customer experience. And so sometimes soft skill training is needs to come first uh, before you know, so that we can have a great customer experience. Cause I think at the end, that's what's most important is that customer experience. Uh, and that's where being knowledgeable in the product is extremely important, but it's a big job right now. Um, and yeah. uh, especially as retailers expand um, and have many rooftops, um, you know, it can be a big job. And for us, I just want to see more trainers come into this, you know, and I want to see our industry build more trainers yeah. um, because I think that just gets us to, to the great growth faster, and that's why I think is important for our industry is to grow
3: um, to that level of professionalism and and uh, great customer experience. Yeah, is there any? I, yeah, Go I'm ahead. sorry, I just wanted to add on to that. Um, yeah. I've got experience on both sides of retail, so I was a buttender for a little while as well before working for uh, brands. And in my experience, when a retailer has a dedicated person managing and arranging the educations and making sure that because of staff turnover, for example, that they're arranging uh, the same brand to come back and educate every two to three months because of the high volume of turnover, that really, really helps when you have somebody specifically managing that role for a retail location.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, just kind of following up on that, uh, Ryan, you know, in regards to job, job training, is there any kind of best practices that retailers should follow Uh, or is there a basics, you know, that they can follow to at least provide the cannabis training uh, to their, to their bud tenders?
2: I mean, I'd love to say there is, but there's not, you know, Um, it's, you know, I think it's, uh, there's a lot of best practices from, from lots of other retail industries. Um, and, Uh, And so there's, there's places like LinkedIn learning that has exceptional training content that, you know, came from lynda.com. And so I've seen a number of our, our customers that use our LMS, um, you know, leveraging training platforms or training content like that. So the content can be captured from a number of places, but yeah. like, like safe said, it's, um, recognizing that a retailer has the job of training their associates. Mm, yeah. um, and you know, I think, one of the outcomes that can happen with great training is less turnover. And so yep. there's immense ways to uh, for this to be really beneficial for the retailer. Um, and so it's kind of, I always look at it as like a game of like better and faster training. Uh, and then hopefully, you know, hopefully we get the outcome of less turnover uh, and that we yep. can just concentrate on building a great business and a team. Um, it's, it's a, not an easy task and yeah. for a business to get to the point where they recognize that they either need to invest in this one person to become that trainer or to hire that trainer, it doesn't happen immediately.
3: Yeah. And uh, I, I will say that here in California, there, there sometimes is a little bit of apathy even towards that. And I would emphasize to retailers that one of the ways you're going to distinguish yourselves, and it's going to be exponential as time goes on, is making sure that you are putting this emphasis on education because educated staff. Make sure that you have satisfied customers. Satisfied customers are repeat customers and repeat customers spread the word. And then you separate yourself. I mean, here in the LA metro area, we have almost 200 licensed stores. You want to distinguish yourself.
0: Yeah, we have a a question from Shannon here in the audience. How can you create great trainers in the industry? Someone does not become a great trainer just because they have a lot of product knowledge. They also need to facilitate well, empower the teams, et cetera. Is there anything... um, you know, does anyone have any experience, uh, in regards to recruiting a great trainer or training a trainer?
2: Yeah. Um, I'll take that. It's kind of, it's something we've seen. Um, and we, we, uh, we have one part of our business, which is really focused on brands, educating, um, bud tenders and in, in mm-hmm. the industry. And then we really specialize more in the retail training. Um, what I think is important on the retail side is, uh, you know, it's, a, it's really kind of fighting the problem of the turnover, but like, um, really kind of set yourself this onboarding plan with like some micro achievements. And so, you know, be it like a $25 gas card after 45 days or 60 days. But, you know, I think giving the recognition that they are on the roadmap that you want is really important. Uh, and that, uh, and I always say it because there's a cost to the turnover. You know, I, I would, I believe like just kind of like rough number that a turnover employee is a loss of $2,500 to the business. Well, why not think about, a you know, 500 to a thousand dollars worth of, incentive to, you know, invest in employees and pull them through to the point where you believe they're a great long-term employee. So I think that's one of the biggest things is recognizing you do need to invest in your people. There is a cost associated with it. It's not just a, a, you know, non-existent thing that happens.
0: Agreed, Agreed. Yeah. And how can brands do a better job of educating consumers directly?
3: Um. Well, I'll jump in here. Um, yeah. I would say definitely use your digital tools as a brand. Yeah. You know, I know that social media is uh, very h- harsh on cannabis, um, but there are, you know, there are compliant ways to message around your brand and to inform your people. Definitely engage with the audiences you already have on your social platforms. So if you have an Instagram following, do IG lives, make sure that you're engaging with those folks. Uh, run polls and other things that you can do that will will give you information about your customers too, and make them feel like they're part of your story. Uh, have webinars like this, obviously. You know, uh, if you can facilitate or be a part of these. Um, and I also, because of the the I would say censorship issue that we sort of face in cannabis, have your own website because then you can direct people to your own platform, and over there you can have a blog, you can have video information, you can have infographics. You, and and nobody can take it away from you as well. so I, I would really encourage brands to like invest in a website if you don't have one already and on that website, make sure you have a dedicated section to get specific about educating on your product suite. Yeah. And I-
1: Anyone? I'll, well, I'll add to that, that yeah. just, I also think it's important to be present on the circuit, right? And yeah. be in market. So one thing that Bovida is really leaning into is interacting directly with consumers, directly with the industry, directly with bud tenders, paying visits to dispensaries, you know, making sure that we're, that we're seen and that people know about us. And it's not necessarily just to, to talk about bovida and sell bovida, but it's to have a presence in the industry. Yeah. Um, and be friends, right? And be approachable and informed that way. So having, I think having a presence, uh, even though it can be difficult in a, in a COVID world, I think it is possible to still be present and have that visibility. I think it's really important.
2: One of the, one of the points I will touch on from uh, some experiences with brands is it's really important to identify your brand champions in the marketplace. And I think that kind of touches on, you know, the Um, in-person, you know, you, you want to kind of Make yourself available for that person to get, you know, I, I don't know, I guess the right way to, I think about this is like, I don't want the stars to have to align for brand champions to meet the brand and say, Hey, I'm passionate about your product. It should be accessible to, you know, anyone who enters the industry. uh, So you got to do whatever it takes to be accessible, be it digital, be it in person. Um, But on the brand side is, you know, kind of have a plan and have a program in place of, you know, Let's say you make that contact. Maybe it's someone literally texts you a number and says, hey, this person wanted to talk to you and they're um, you know, passionate about your product and work at XYZ store is, you know what would you do with it? Market to it uniquely. No, and I don't think market's the right word, but like that's where I think having an education portal, be it something within your website or um, a third-party LMS tool um, where you can directly speak to the person who represents your product every day is important. Um, you know, kind of behind the veil of what uh, customers would see is really important. And that's one thing that we've been, you know, pioneering with brands like Pax and others.
0: And then what about speaking to the different levels of cannabis experience? You know, we have someone that doesn't know anything about cannabis. They don't know about the basics on genetics or or anything. And then we have someone that's an active cannabis user. Like, how do you approach the the two different, uh, types of consumers
3: from the retail perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think at the, at the point of sale, so if somebody sure. completely new to cannabis is coming into the dispensary for the first time and talking to a bud tender, I would hope that that bud tender's first question to the person is what is, what's the concern? You know, what are you here for? What are you looking for out of cannabis? Um, and obviously Then the next question would be, what's their prior experience with cannabis? In this example, we know that the person has none. But those two questions are fundamental to determine what type of product might work and then also what sort of intensity of THC versus CBD, for example, might be suitable for somebody who's first time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think you just can never make an assumption about what somebody knows. And I love to secret shop and go into a dispensary and pretend yeah. like I have never used cannabis in my life, you know, and yeah. see what they say, see what they recommend. That's um, a fun game. <laughs> yeah, it really, it really is um, because you just you just don't know. And I think trying to keep it as simple as possible and focus on the goals is so important.
3: Yeah, and it's a little bit of a reflection, uh, again, speaking here for for California, that you get such a variety of answers to that very straightforward question based on which dispensary you go into. And that sort of speaks to what we're seeing in terms of there isn't a standard uh, level of, of application for education in in retail
1: places. Yeah. Very true.
0: And Ryan, you touched on a, a few of the, the benefits of, you know, education in regards to retail or, you know, uh, reducing turnover customer satisfaction, job training uh, you know what other what other benefits is there for education for right retailers?
2: I think those are the big ones um, okay. the other one I always think about though is just improved communication I think it's it's kind of one of the things that suffers the most in retail environments and I say that because like, Let's say you work at a um, a clothing store. There's yeah. not as much education that has to take place, and it's okay then if you don't really have great communication tools in place with your uh, with your employees. <laughs> but I think, um, you know, in the cannabis, it's important that we have a great flow of communication. Um, you know, policies are changing regularly, um, state laws, you know, county laws. Um, important information that needs to get out, and so I think improved communication is something that benefits. Kind of the whole retail environment, but also yeah. just individual team members. Um, you want you want to get people um, trained at the at kind of at the same level, uh, and that that's where accountability comes in, and and why um, systems are really great, like digital systems. I think they can help that. Um, you know, just reduces this cost, but creates a great playing field and it's just the right investment for for any not and not that i want the industry to be all big businesses um i'm super passionate about small farms who who have you know just the smallest budget just using it better to get it out there to more people and you know one thing um, safe touched on but the content creation is really hard it's uh it's scary to create your purse, your first piece of content that is going to be out there kind of, um, speaking to bud tenders about your product. It's really hard. So, you know, sometimes I just think of it like content and distribution. Um, and I recommend people invest in that content early on, try things, um, you know, share it with a great, with a small group of great people that, uh, I think that's where getting to know your brand champions and kind of really recognizing, Hey, I got these 15 people that I can safely talk about something or show them something and see what they think, um, is really important. So, um, uh, it's not easy. Well, I'll admit that. <laughs> and and yeah. I, I, just look at, you know, we've been doing the training, uh, working in the train space for three years. I just value all the experience of working with everything from, you know, single stores and the smallest brands in Washington state to, to large groups with, um, you know, 15 plus stores and, uh, training in multiple countries.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just to add on to that, you did mention, you know, creating content and distribution, uh, you know, I, would, I would just add that to create different types of content so obviously written content print materials for for bud tenders but also video tutorials uh, infographics like everything that uh, staff has mentioned right and it's be yeah. creative with that you know do audio podcasts do uh, video podcasts whatever like be be really diverse with the content to curate because you can reach these bud tenders in a different way with different types of content because we don't
2: all, absorb content in the same way.
3: Yeah. Yeah, Different segments of your audience will absorb different pieces of content. So,
2: yeah. My favorite is like a founder story, you know, and I think it's just so exciting to start there for learning about a brand so that, you know, someone who's a bud tender, who's new to your brand can kind of have, um, you know, a little bit of knowledge as they introduce it to people. So that's like my favorite thing to see. And it's like, we really encourage people to like, just put the iPhone up, start there, improve once you've, you know, put that first one out. And so we've got a lot of that on, uh, on the top 10 platform. And I love it because after five years of running in the industry, the founders tend to not be the guys out there in the stores uh, and you, you don't pass it on. And like, I think it does a, a decent job passing on some of the culture.
3: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. I know one thing that Boba is really focusing on is their why, right? You know, yeah. they protect people's passions, they protect cannabis, they help consumers to have a consistent and um, amazing experience. And so focusing on the why I think will really resonate not with, just with the consumers, but with the retail staff as well.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, when I was at Pop and Barclay, that was fundamental to uh, yeah. papa and barkley you know their origin story is so powerful um yeah. just a, a son trying to help his father and that's one of those things where you can kind of make something universal that's then everybody can relate to that yeah, yeah
0: it's a great way to incorporate storytelling into the into educational process right and telling that why uh and creating those brand champions right i mean you've said yeah. it a few times ryan you know what's how do you actually create a brand champion? Like, what does it take to, to get someone to be behind behind your brand and passionate, whether it's in the retail store or, you know, just the consumer, you know, like what is
2: honestly, I I think one of the pieces just is opening up the communication. Um, you um, know, if, if someone is new and doesn't know a single brand or product in the space, um, yeah. that person that's willing to talk to them. And it's like, you know, let's assume maybe they follow them on Instagram. It's not like they, get to raise their hand and say, Hey, I'm one of the guys that sells your products. Um, but like whatever it takes to get to that is like what we're working on. Cause I just want that to be more open and flowing because I think it lets brands be more successful. Um, and I think it creates more great employees to work on the retail side. And so, um, you know, kind of, maybe they all need office hours, you know, that I've seen that done in, in certain instances. Um, but, uh, I think that improved communication, uh, and making people feel comfortable with it is what's, you know, kind of needed throughout our industry. We want anyone to walk in a store and feel comfortable with it. We should also think of the same of a, an associate coming in and, and being able to, to grow in our industry. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and as far as the future of cannabis education, like what will that be like and how you know will cannabis education help the industry as a whole?
1: I think that we're going to see a standardization for sure, sure. especially if we approach any sort of uh, reform on a federal level. I think it'll become obligatory, honestly. Um, a lot of the trainings right now is just such a, such a mixed bag, right? Um, and so I think that we'll see more of that becoming more standardized um, just to help increase as... As you pointed out earlier, you know, patient access, safety, um, and make sure everyone has a consistent experience and consistent knowledge base.
3: Yeah, for sure. I definitely hope that that is the direction that we go. And I see companies out there trying to create sort of syllabuses and standardized programs and certain states already have, you know, an incentive uh, and, and kind of put in place. I think Illinois has a, a state education system that you have to complete before you can, and that again goes back to what we we talked about at the beginning. That's going to accelerate the professionalism of this industry. It's going to legitimize us that much more quickly. Yeah. You know, I'll give a I'll give a quick shout out to Canada.
2: Um, you know, uh, LPs and brand manufacturers have done. I think I've seen um a stronger step forward in Canada on the training side, and it, and perhaps it's led. Um, Nova Scotia was one of the first um territories to actually kind of have a government um, let's say sponsored, uh, education and, yeah. uh, and, and there's a lot of brands that have followed suit running really great education programs and certifications. Uh, and so I think, um, I do think I'm scared of the like standardization, um, <laughs> you know, and yeah. like I get, I get worried about that. Um, I do though, appreciate like, uh, Illinois I think it's a mandate of eight hours of education per year and stuff. And so, um, uh, you know, I, I,
3: we might want to ask that a little bit.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I'm also nervous. Like I'm, I'm my, and where I've always been most nervous around this is, um, you know, we have a unique industry and I don't want to see a government application fail our bud tenders. Uh, I've seen that, yeah. I'd say, on the some of the medical certification side of things. And that's just kind of the miss I don't want to see happen if mm-hmm. there is some type of mandate there.
3: Yeah, wow.
1: definitely.
0: And we do have a question from the audience. How can I increase button tender enthusiasm and desire to learn? Any ideas there?
3: Um, well, I'll say if it's from the brand side, brands uh, besides doing all of the things, making sure that you're informing people on your products and everything else, get the product in the butt tender's hands so that they have firsthand experience and that, that when they speak to a, a customer at the dispensary, that they're not telling a story. They're not pitching a product, what they heard at the training. They're yeah. talking about their firsthand experience of the product. And I know compliance issues have made this a little bit trickier than it used to be. Uh, but in whatever way that you can get the get a sample of that product that you want bud tenders to be infused about into their hands um, for retailers, maybe do try and do the same thing on a, on a local level. So create a little welcome pack for your bud tenders when they arrive. So every bud tender in your store should be able to answer questions about whatever is on the shelf, even if they don't necessarily regularly use it. They should have tried it at least once to be able to speak from firsthand experience about it. Um, and I think maybe that's one of the things that retailers can do to kind of incentivize that is, you know, whatever way that they can, they can get them products. Maybe, uh, like Brian mentioned, you know, things like gas cards or food cards or gift cards that are more generalized, Amazon gift cards or things like that. There's, there's ways to incentivize it. Um, but yeah, it, it is, it is tricky with the way that compliance is sort of limited getting, uh, samples of products to bud tenders, which then if they try to purchase themselves, can be you know, a little bit expensive and inaccessible with certain items. Um, so yeah, retailers should, should try and provide what they can for the bud tender so that they, they have the opportunity to be enthused about it because they have first-hand experience. I think sometimes a lack of enthusiasm is easy when you haven't tried anything and just telling people about stuff. You know? Yeah.
0: And I know you had some uh, creative ideas on ways you can actually get bud tenders to try product. Do you want to share maybe a few of those ideas? that i had yeah yeah on I, think getting papa, I
3: think i think papa barkley had um oh like yeah we, we so we had um during the pandemic we tried a few different things um and even prior to the pandemic what we would do was was uh host bud tender sort of uh, appreciation events um and try and invite um you know bud tenders from from top performing stores to to come and visit us um this is uh, in the Papa and Barclay offices in, in Pasadena. There's a, a part of it that, that uh, also functions as a consumption lounge. So over there, we would kind of bring them in, uh, arrange for some food to come, and also have them try products there. And it was a soft education session that was also sort of a social gathering, you yeah. know? So there's ways to, to kind of take it outside of the dispensary um, and also not put the onus specifically on the bud tender, like, here's homework, go and do that on your own time. You know, you're actually bringing yeah. them into your your inner circle a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. PAX had, uh, really- and then we tried that digitally too, which was uh-huh. a little bit more mixed success. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan, was, you were. You oh, were- I was gonna
2: say, PAX had a great one that they called the PAX Passport. So mm-hmm. great in-person event. It was kind of fun. Had a little bit of like, please, kind of you know, hit these different stations throughout the event, fill mm-hmm. up your passport, uh, and kind of you know, micro moments to get them to, you know, some product and things like that. But, right. um, we've, uh, we kind of co-sponsored one of those in, uh, in the Sacramento market with friendly farms early on too. I think those are great ways to go about it. Um, yes. is, you know, create like that fun, um, get together, meet people, um, you know, if they want to kind of opt into your marketing, um, recognizing that they're, uh, they are, you know, a someone who's responsible for selling the product gives you a whole new marketing channel, one that you'll probably use more active, um, than, than some of your other channels.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's a, that sounds like a great idea. Passport idea. And I will say that, um, you said that was in Sacramento. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, it, I I have been sort of speaking a little bit on behalf of California, but I will say that in NorCal, um, every time I've been there, my experience is that there is a little bit more of an appreciation for, you know, these uh, being being educated and sort of, there's a little bit more um, creativity and ingenuity around how to get this information out there. I feel like sometimes in SoCal, we're a little bit still like, oh, what? It's, it's Prop 64? I thought we were still Prop 15, you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, well, uh, and, you know, Saf, you're in California and I know that, uh, you know, we have 25% of people in California speak Spanish. Like, is there, what, what type of ways can brands be more accessible to the Latin and Spanish speaking populations in the regions as far as cannabis education?
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, in somewhere like California, it should be, you know, pretty much fundamental to be educating bilingually. Um, that's a, it's millions of people that you're not speaking to in their, in their main language. Um, we definitely had a lot of success doing print materials at Pop and Barclay um, in the, the areas that I would frequently visit in East and downtown L.A. Uh, there's a lot of Spanish speakers coming into the dispensary. A lot of native Spanish speakers who struggle in English, and you know, just I'm speaking. I'm talking regular English, not even technical cannabis English. Yeah. So to have that information in their mother tongue, you could see the appreciation on their faces. Mm-hmm. So I would say definitely one. Make sure that you have a way of providing education in uh, in another language, um, in Spanish in this case. Uh, print materials, uh, collaborating with organizations that are specifically um, looking at empowering uh, people from Latin backgrounds and Hispanic backgrounds in cannabis as yeah. well, uh, because that's a, re- a good way to cross over your audiences as well. Yeah. Um, that we did a little bit um, in Hispanic Heritage Month at Papa and Barkley too. Oh, um, nice. Uh, so yeah, I, I would definitely say that you, you have to do it. You know, um, in somewhere like California, it feels like a, a really, really big oversight to not be putting out the same education that you do in English in Spanish as much as you're able to.
0: Yeah. yeah and at least, you know, maybe uh, have one of the bud tenders should probably be spe- you know, Spanish speaking would help. Absolutely. So there's at least a go-to there. And then, you know, on the website or any of the digital assets, you know, have a translation tool on there that you can easily click and translate that to Spanish. Cause you know, pretty, pretty easy to implement. doesn't take too much effort. Right, right, may not be the best Spanish, but it's uh, at least giving them a step forward, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, it's going to be enough Spanish that whoever is reading it, who's a native Spanish speaker, is going to be able to understand that much better than whatever broken English they may, you know, may have, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. What about three questions that, uh, you know, bud tender should be able to answer for customers at any given time, like basic, one-on-one?
3: Uh, Well, I think I touched on this a little bit already, but uh, definitely should be able to answer a question about any product that is in the store. So there shouldn't be anything that they don't know about. Um, They should be able to um, give their firsthand experience uh, of that. So they should be able to relate what they experienced. And also, um, I would say when it comes to things like um, the certificate of analysis that sometimes somebody might ask to see. But tenders should be able to not only present that to a customer, but also help them interpret it, show them what everything means on there. And that will help inspire confidence in in the purchases that people make as well.
0: Yeah. And just a reminder, everyone, we have about twenty five minutes left to all our attendees. If you have any questions for our guests, feel free to to post them in the Q&A section there at the bottom of Zoom or in the chat. More than happy to to answer any of your questions related to education. you know we talked a lot about education and you know what bud tenders should should be asking is there anything that we can't say you know to be compliant within yeah within hipaa compliance within yeah you know making claims like what what can we not say
3: definitely never tell anybody that they will be cured from okay. anything that you give them do not use that word at all it's i always despair when i hear it um, <laughs> but you you are not a medical professional you're not out here giving medical advice okay Uh, so so please stay away from using the word cure don't give anybody any any guarantees use language that it's very obvious that you're Mm -hmm. offering potential to somebody you know Um, and also not just not just for the safety of that person and also you know hopefully they go away and have a good experience and come back to you but also because it's a very big liability issue you can you know, you can get your your retailer or your brand in a lot of trouble by by putting out explicit messaging around disease states and things like that. That is a big no no in cannabis. That's partly also because of our federally illegal status. But um, yeah, I just think that that's good practice to 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 not give people the wrong expectation of what's going to get.
0: And we have a question from Shannon. Instead of requiring uh, a number of hours of training. Is there any specific things that bud tenders, retailers should be competent in?
1: I think that one thing that, I mean, I wanted to bring this up earlier was how the products work, not just how to use them, but also how they will work in your body. Um, I was moderating a panel about cannabis and food over the weekend in, at an event in Miami. And by a show of hands, only two people in the audience, and there were probably about 30, 40 people in the audience, only two people actually knew how edibles worked in their body, for example. And so I think having that sort of information as to how to use the product and how it will interact with you and how so many different factors can go into that um, is really, really important. And just understanding that, you know, it's not just about, you know, the cannabinoid content. It's also about the terpenes, which is something that, you know, we talk about at Boba a lot because we're, in the business of protecting terpenes and preserving them. So understanding that if the cannabinoids are you know, the gas and the, the terpenes are the GPS system driving your experience, I think it's really important for bud tenders to understand uh, the different terpenes and how they interact and how they can be different for every person based on your own individual endocannabinoid system. Yep. There's no one-size-fits-all. I think that's really important to tell people. Exactly.
3: I was just going to say, that's a really, really great uh, point to make. There's no one-size-fits-all, but with a little bit of work and a little bit of assistance, you will find a size that fits you.
1: Yes. Yeah, specifically specifically for
0: edibles, start slow and wait an hour, maybe two hours, and then- Maybe two. Maybe two, yeah.
1: Definitely two. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So you're gonna have a bad experience in hour three right like, yeah, yeah
3: we we've all had that story right i'm pretty sure everybody okay. here has uh, got their own version of that story
0: Indeed. yeah i mean how do you think you know education is really uh instrumental in preventing that experience right like we've had the you're not going to die or overdose on cannabis but you know you are going to have a bad experience yeah <laughs> so you, you know, will have, you have a bad
3: time, time. yeah
0: yeah. You this, want to,
2: yeah this is one area where like i really kind of you know i I feel for bud tenders and I I think it's important that, you know, bud tenders um, are comfortable in their conversation with the customer to take them as far as they can, but then also kind of be able to send them to the product manufacturer for more information. Um, You know, it's, it's inevitable that the bud tender is going to get to a point where they don't have all of the answers and therefore the product manufacturer has got an extreme responsibility here. Uh, one in in kind of having that material available, but then also like having that inroad for the bud tender to send them. I yeah. think a lot about how like our industry could change, and my real hope is that someday like brands kind of power a customer support team that's like readily available to uh, to take that conversation, you know in a handoff type of scenario, yeah.
0: Is there any other important tips or, or resources that you'd like to share with, you know, our audiences, you know, how they can improve their education in their retailer side, or on the brand side or product, you know, trying to reach retailers?
3: Uh, like, like Ryan was saying before, you know, if you, if you don't have a way of um, procuring the education yourself or providing it yourself, then get an LMS system, you know, that you can partner with and you can use that. Uh, There's plenty of great websites, a lot more than when I started doing this properly seven, eight years ago uh, that have a ton of great information, probably too many to list here. And I don't want to show preference to anybody. Um, But, yeah, there's 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 a ton of great resources out there. There's uh, companies specifically focusing on areas of cannabis education. um, You know, talking about terpenes alone uh, is, is a whole a whole module. So there's a lot of resources out there. I think, um, again, if we go back to talking about that person that a retailer or a brand has that is dedicated to the education and overseeing that, then they can perhaps create the database that they then share with people. So people don't have to go looking for it. It's like, look, here's a list of 10 10 sites to check out or 10 videos to watch on YouTube or whatever the case may be.
2: Yeah, turn it it into some type of digital kind of documentation that is easy to hand off and kind of reproduce. Um, Don't be scared to just, you know, start uh, from an iPhone or, you know, smartphone, start recording conversations that can benefit more team. Um, It's something, you know, I've seen a lot in retail application where a bud tender walks over to someone they're like, wow, like you just like, what you could you say what you just said again because like I want to study that because like they learn when they hear their co-workers so I think creating content out of it it may not be beautiful but it doesn't have to be yeah Uh, you know creating it is is a big accomplishment for for a lot of people because it can get passed along a lot better
1: yeah, that's definitely something that I've seen more brands lean into, um, like Bovida specifically, you know, creating their own uh, educational videos, you know, sometimes it's really fun and lighthearted and simple, but as long as it's engaging and it's getting the message across, it really resonates with folks and it makes it a lot easier for the retailers um, because they can just, you know, point to those quick videos. And I, I think it's, uh, it's a really it's a really nice touch for brands. So I would definitely implore all yeah. the brands and uh, folks from that side watching to uh, to consider that.
3: Agreed. Yeah, and I think going back to what we were saying about where education is going in the future, all of these things are going to become more and more important and more and more fundamental to success in these areas.
2: Yeah, that'd be really unique if we saw that kind of come on the state requirements that the brands actually have it. Because it, I, you know, when the brand creates a great, you know, a product, I, th- mm-hmm. I I'd say that responsibility first sits with them.
3: Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and that, that was kind of how we took the onus on ourselves at Pop on Barkley. Like when we had a new product or product suite coming out, it was my job to make sure that I was creating not only uh, a sort of standalone lesson in video form that people could use at their retail location at their own convenience, but also that I was then reaching out and trying to arrange to do these in person that they could pre-record those if certain people couldn't make the session. And then they had a way of, you know, ensuring accountability for people who, um, we're perhaps not working that day or whatever. Um, so yeah, the onus is, is heavily on the brand.
2: Well, what you just said, it's a really important piece. Like when, when the brand is going to make that decision to make the investment, it's a great time to start talking to the retail partners Mm -hmm. and explain like, Hey, this is the the step we're going to take, you know, it's going to take us, um, three months, six months to develop it. Um, but this is a big initiative. Do we have your support? for when this is ready to, um, you know, have, uh, have a presentation in store and, yeah. um, you know, you could kind of bake it into your training, but, um, kind of before the investments even really started, um, get buy-in from your retail partners. Cause it's the right type of conversation to have with the buyers, the management. And, um, I think it goes a long way. The best rollouts I've seen have been when, um, it didn't just launch out of nowhere. It really kind of was a journey that the retail partners were on.
3: Yeah, and I th- I really feel like it it sort of um, engenders a lot of uh, confidence in the retail partner as well. They're like, oh wow, yeah. they're serious. You know, they're they're gonna they're gonna put something in place that has structure. Yeah. yeah.
0: And what's your take on hiring people uh, that are not cannabis users <laughs> as bud tenders? Like, is there any do, do, do retailers even do that?
1: yeah I think that I mean one one thing I heard a lot about um, at this event that I was just at in Florida was that that's part of the issue is that a lot of the retail locations are just hiring people with retail experience, and I don't necessarily think that uh, being a consumer or not being a consumer disqualifies you from being in the industry, but it, it certainly helps to have you know a personal connection or at least you know some personal experience with the plant, and if not, then that's where the training really is going to become more important.
3: yeah, yeah yeah. Yeah, you're going to have to go two to three x, uh, you know, um, in terms of uh, of being diligent with the education of somebody who doesn't have the personal experience. Uh, I agree that I don't think it it should exclude them automatically, but it is going to put them at a significant disadvantage. Um, yeah.
2: It's a it's a big journey for them, but I think it's also like for me, just personal experience. You know, talking with so many different people, I don't want uh, you know, kind of non, non indulgers to kind of be turned off from our industry. I want great people to join our industry. And that's where, you know, I push, it's kind of one of our, our founding reasons is like, we want there to be a roadmap to being successful in our industry, um, rather than that, to be kind of this battle that every new entrant has to take on themselves.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Is there any any other questions for the the uh, the audience today that they'd like answered? Feel free. Now's the time. We got about ten minutes left. <clears throat> uh, but in the in, meantime, let's see what other topics are uh, are important as far as education. Uh, you know, Rochelle, you have a you have different experience than you know than Ryan and staff here. Like, how did you go about? Um, educating the the science and the technology behind like Bobita to brands, retailers, uh, and, and why it's important to actually include this product in your flower to extend longevity. Like how did you go about that process and getting this information to to brands on the B2B and B2C side, right?
1: Super great hmm. question. And so um, just for me personally, I actually have an education background. And yeah. so Um, Before I got into cannabis. And so for me, it's always about approaching people on their level and listening, right, and being intuitive. And so um, for Bovida, I think it's all about kind of keeping it simple, explaining why it's important to protect terpenes and the fact that, hey, they have a solution, right? And it's an all natural saltwater based solution in a nice little packet that you can put right next to your flower that will, you know, create protection via a monolayer, which is just water vapor. Now, even though I just said that, that was a bit of a mouthful, right? <laughs> so how can we kind of break that down uh, for people on their level? And so we just, you know, try to focus on that. We will keep your cannabis fresh. We will prevent it from being too dry. We will preserve the experience that you're looking for and just try to approach people on their level. Nobody likes dry cannabis, right? That it sucks. And so trying to like, you know, lead with that and the why, right? We are protecting the experience or protecting the product. And for bud tenders, that's something they can understand for sure. And letting them know that you're going to have an increased customer satisfaction because nobody wants someone coming in and complaining Right, that their cannabis was dry. And we certainly want them to return and, and have a good experience just in general. And so, trying to just approach people on their level is the most important.
3: And with prepackaging and cannabis, it's even bigger of a priority to have something that's going to preserve your terpene.
1: Absolutely. And that's something too that, you know, Bovida really like not only are they educating consumers and retailers, but also the suppliers as well, you know, that they can actually co-pack with Bovida. They can use it in the back end to protect them for long-term storage. You know, there's a lot of different applications. And so, um, as you were saying earlier, you know, trying to offer a well-rounded um, suite of education, right? So, talking to both retailers, consumers, growers, producers, manufacturers, approaching them all on different levels, but on their level.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think that's actually super, super important. And I felt like that was a big part of my responsibility was, okay, there's all this very complex technical cannabis science that like you said, it's a mouthful, you know, we can say it and we understand what we're talking about. But we, we can easily forget when you're in your little cannabis bubble that the majority of people don't. So it's really, really fundamental to make sure that you're putting it in terms that people can easily understand whether you have to use analogies or like you said, uh, where you have to kind of meet them on their level of understanding and break it down in the simplest possible terms.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Anything you'd like to add to that, Ryan? Good. Hard. I learned so much. I love like <laughs> that. I sit on top of platforms. And so I kind of see, see kind of a lot of training come out and I learn a lot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Saf just said that oh, we all understand. I'm like, oh, I don't always understand it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I've, I had a store in the past and you know, I know what, how scary and intimidating that bud tending experience can be um, mm-hmm. because I never wanted to just stand around and not help. But when a customer wanted to go, you know, discuss concentrates, I was not of help,
3: yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs>
2: right. and it's intimidating.
3: But like you were saying earlier, Ryan, that's the point at which you would find whoever in the store is the concentrate specialist. You'd be like, that's who you need to talk to. Yeah, shout out you know? Chad Hood.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that was my guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, and how do you balance that? You know, like the um, you know, dispensaries, I don't know what the average number of products are up there in Washington State, Ryan, but you know, they have a lot, massive catalogs. Like how do you manage all these product SKUs and brands and the, the differences between all these? Like how's that? possible. (laughs) It's
2: hard. Um, it's, it really comes from like, um, teams working well, you know, I'd say, uh, like a buyer, a buyer can't just bring in product and get it on a a shelf, you know, in 10 minutes. Um, you know, so there's kind of, and that's something we've really seen, um, change for a number of reasons, COVID other, um, Washington state went through some, um, some traceability changes. And so the kind of like the whole supply chain just changed, but it gave a little bit more time for planning and prep so that we can be effective when we bring in products. Um, And so I think it goes back to like building great companies that have good procedure um, where, you know, people just think of like, okay, I'm bringing a new product. What does that mean? I should probably have education in-house as well um, in order for us to sell it effective because otherwise it changes the, it creates this bad, retailer vendor relationship where there's, you know, kind of a question as to, well, why isn't it seeing, you know, the sales we, we thought it would compared to others. Um, and, and these are saying, these are things that happen in every other retail industry. Um, so, uh, we're not, you know, we're not, we've got a lot of work to do, but we're not recreating the wheel in this sense.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, I would say even though we're all sort of sat here as "quote unquote" experts, I'm I'm pretty sure we all realize that we only know enough to know that there's a lot more to know. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: Continuous
0: yeah. learning, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Exactly.
0: We have a few minutes left. I, you know, once again, I want to thank everybody for for logging on today and, and learning from our audience here and learning from our experts. Uh, Ryan, thank you again. Rochelle, Saf, is there any? parting comments or, you know, where can people find you? Uh, you know, once they log off, like, uh, what's your, what are your social media handles and so on?
3: Sure. Uh, I'm, uh, on Instagram. I go by at King underscore con. I also have a, a a sort of cannabis education Instagram. That's con My last name meshed with the word cannabis word. Cannabinoids. Um, and then LinkedIn. That's, that's probably the best place to get hold of me. Awesome. Rochelle.
1: Um, you can follow me on Instagram at StayGold612. LinkedIn is also a great resource to reach oh, out yeah. for me. Um, if you want to find out more about um, Bovida, you can go to at Boveda Cannabis on Instagram um, and women in cannabis.study if you're interested in the women in cannabis report.
2: Wonderful. Uh, for myself, uh, LinkedIn, just Ryan Porter. Um, look for me there. Great place to connect with me. And, um, you know, I love connecting with people kind of in all areas of this people looking to get into the industry, um, people building new things. Um, you know, I'm always kind of paying attention to the different technology products and, um, different like software and media that are coming alive in our industry. Um, because you know, they help, they can be challenging, but they also really help. And I'm looking for ways that we can help the industry grow.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you everyone for taking the time to share your insights And to our audience for for logging in and joining us live and everyone on social media that's watching the streaming, thank you again. Uh, Share this with your friends. And once again, uh, my name is Guillermo Bravo, just uh, signing off here with MediaGel. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, everyone.